Three scenes in the life of a Trotskyist. Scene one, the Stalin school of falsification. The cafeteria at City College just past midnight of August 23rd, 1939. Daniel Kaplan sits at a table, his head on his folded arms, sleeping. Lev Trachtenberg enters, carrying a massive book under his arm like other kids carry a basketball. He also carries a bag of sandwiches. What cheer, comrade? Daniel wakes with a start. What? You sleeping? It's... He checks his watch. After midnight? I come bearing gifts of pastrami and Swiss on rye. Everything I thought might go bad before 6 a.m. That's in five hours. Eat up. Lev hands him a sandwich and starts eating one himself. You said you were going to debate the guys from the party tonight. Yeah. Well? Well, what? You said tonight. I said, okay, show up at nine. I wait two hours, finally fall asleep. Are you trying to pull one over on me? No, we would never, only we don't ever start until about 1 a.m. 1 a.m.? Sure. After the libraries close and the movie theaters close and the, the diners run out of cheesecake, when there's nothing left to do but argue, we come here. Isn't this a formal organization? This? No, we just... But didn't you call it something, some name, or... It's a joke. The City College Cafeteria Pugilists. Ah, the CCCP. I didn't say it was a good joke. Ah, I want to be a lawyer. A lawyer? I thought this would look good on my transcript. Yeah, sorry, that's not what this is for. This is for bragging rights? And maybe the fate of the Western world? Oh. You okay? Yeah, it's just... What? I called off a date for this. She cute? Yeah. My condolences. No, sincerely, I believe in what we do here, but it will never ever get you laid. So if it's not for your transcripts, it's not for girls, what is it for? What's it for? I can't even begin to answer that question. What's any of this for? Why did our forefathers spend long Latvian winters poring over Talmud? Why do men write symphonies and lyric poetry? Why did Marx spend 25 years in the British Museum writing a book that was published in a print run of a thousand? Why did we come to City College? To be a lawyer. You're Daniel, right? Yeah. What year? This is my first term. You were enrolled in summer term right after graduation? Yeah. What school? Erasmus? Flatbush. Yeah. You? I went to Abraham Lincoln. Where's that? Oh, Brighton Beach. I never went out there. Really? It's a good neighborhood. Well, it's a slum, but it's a good proletarian neighborhood. Like Flatbush with a beach. How are classes? Latin is kicking my ass. Latin? What are you taking Latin for? To be a lawyer. You don't need Latin to be a lawyer, not real Latin. Habeas corpus. Ipso facto. It's a shibboleth to keep the law practices gentile, but you don't actually need to know it. But don't you know Latin? What do I look like, a priest? Latin. No, leave the past to the goyim. The future's for us. But you study languages. Yeah, modern languages. English, French, Russian, German, Brooklynese. You speak German? No. Yiddish? Of course. Then you're already halfway to speaking German. 
But my father has a friend who's a German anarchist. He says that he understands every part of a Yiddish joke but the punchline. Take German. Why? Why? Care of the soul. You know why they call it the liberal arts? No. It's liberal meaning free. The education fit for a free man. But what good is all this education if it doesn't let us plumb the depths of our own subjectivities? And for plumbing depths, there's nothing better than German. Read Mann. Read Nietzsche. Read Kafka. Read Rilke. If you don't do it in college, when will you? But aren't they... Aren't they what? Petty bourgeois intellectuals? Individualists? The dust, the detritus left behind by the explosion of finance capital through the ruins of traditional culture? No, they're writers. That's it? Trotsky says art can become a strong ally of revolution only insofar as it remains faithful to itself. The great modernists might be reactionaries, but the work is revolutionary because it changes how you see the world. It, it rearranges the furniture inside your head. That's the first step to change in society, changing yourself. Any artist who stays true to his genius serves the revolution whether he likes it or not. How's this going to help me with law school? It won't. Look, are you all right? No, of course not. What's bothering you? Who's bothered? What are you talking about? You are. I don't want to talk about it. I do. That's all I do. I talk. Let's talk. Why are you doing this? What do you mean? I'm nothing. I'm frosh. Nobody ever notices me. You notice me. And you, people look up to you. People? Who's people? Everyone. Every Trotskyist at City College. They follow you like you were... Trotsky himself? I was going to say Max Schockman, but sure. Look, Daniel, we're comrades. Remember, the longest journey in the world is the subway from Brooklyn to Manhattan. So we got to look out for one another. You need anything, you let me know. Gee, thanks. Don't mention it. Capitalism has wounded all of us in more ways than we know. You've been here three months and you're already scheduling your Tuesday nights based on your law school application. That's not human, but it's very capitalist. They want you to cut yourself off from everyone else. They want you to trust in nobody but yourself. They want you always looking over your shoulder so you never look up at the fat fucks that are running the show. And to be comrades is to begin to heal the wounds that capitalism has inflicted on us, to band together, to refuse to play their game. It's therapy for kids who can't afford therapy. Wow. What have you read? What have I read? Yeah, have you read the classic texts? Um, I've read The Manifesto and Lovestone, Bertram Wolf. I've read some of Deb's speeches, but we don't like him, do we? Debs is fine. And Ten Days That Shook the World. So you're reading secondary works? John Reed was there. No, but your theory. You're, you're getting your theory secondhand. I don't care about theory. I want to know what's happening. Sure. It seems like every week there's something new. Barcelona falls. Hitler takes the Sudetenland. Next thing you know, he's marching through Prague. Awful. I got cousins in Prague. Yeah, me too. So theory, I mean, I'm sure it's important, but I can't help thinking, what's the point? Of theory? Of any of it. I want to be a lawyer so I can help Jews, help them immigrate, 
the four years of college, three years of law school, who knows what the world will look like then? That's why I'm taking summer classes. I want to work as fast as I can to save as many people as I can before Hitler... Before he does whatever it is he's going to do. That's a lot to put on yourself. I didn't put it there. But that's why you joined our organization. Yes. This weight, this burden, I can't lift it alone. I need to be part of something bigger than myself. Then why join us? Why not the party? Look, I haven't... I haven't made up my mind. Right now I'm looking into both. Don't tell them. I just... I don't know. They're strong. They're organized. They led the defense of Sacco and Vanzetti, the Scottsboro boys. They do the work, but they don't think for themselves. They all say the same phrases, even if you get them alone. Dictatorship of the proletariat. What does it mean? You Trotskyists seem, well, smarter. <laughs> okay. But maybe they're right. Maybe there's no room for individuality when the world hangs in the balance. Maybe we only have power when we all move as one. This is why you need theory. What? You're never going to find the answers to these questions in the Daily Worker or New Masses. Those are propaganda. They're for making conversions. But you're converted. You need the sacred texts. He slams his book on the table. Das Kapital. As long as the Torah and twice as dense. Do I gotta read it in German? No, there's good translations. I'll give you a list, but you must read this. You must wrestle with it like Jacob wrestled with God. It'll kick your ass, but it'll give you a blessing. And what's that? A comprehensive scientific system for analyzing absolutely everything. Wow. You say that a lot. Only around you. Lewis, a janitor, enters with a mop. Go home. Do you kids never go home? Hey, Lou, how you doing? <sighs> Not so good. They cut night staff. If this place isn't shipshape every morning, it's my ass. So please, as an act of working class solidarity, can you clean up after yourselves? Sure thing, Lou. You coming to the next meeting? Jeez, Lev, I don't know. It's a little rich for my blood. What do you mean? All your talk of Hegel and Dostoevsky. Look, just let me know when you've gotten action, all right? I'll help an evicted widow put her furniture back, but the meaning's no thanks. Come on, you can keep up. We're trying to get a message out to our fellow workers. If you don't understand something, just ask. That's okay. Stalin bad. Trotsky good. I got it. It's more than that. It's an entire orientation to life. It's a philosophy of existence. It's fulfilling your telos as what Aristotle calls the political animal. Can't you get through a single sentence without footnotes? Look. Lou, if we give you a list of introductory texts, will you give them a try? Lev? No. Have fun, you kids. But pick up your shit! Lewis exits. Ben enters. He's communist cadre, incredibly disciplined, extremely dedicated, completely humorless. The weight of the world is on his shoulders. Hello, Lev. How you doing, Ben? I'm fine, thank you. Well, you flunkies. Hebrew school ran late? Very funny, Trachtenberg. Or were you waiting on the politically correct line from Stalin? This week, the baseball question. Dodgers, Yankees, or Giants? Can we cut the crap? 
This is a valuable exercise for both of us. It allows us to refine our arguments so that when we meet in public, we can anticipate the other's movements with the deftness of a champion boxer. But we are not friends. We are not comrades. Daniel, how are you? I'm good. You're running with the Trotskyites? Trotskyists. Ists. Just trying to see all sides of the issue. This will be fun. We have, for the first time, a genuinely undecided observer. Daniel, you will judge, unless you've already given your allegiance. I... I... I don't know. I don't know. Fuck. I don't know. Fascism is spreading across Europe like a cancer. The democracies are complicit or worse. The Jews of Europe are being hunted like wolves and nobody bats an eye. Who could stop them but Stalin, the man of steel? Stalin, the embodiment of the hopes and dreams of the world working class. Stalin, genius of the revolution, protector of mankind, who grasped theory with both hands and wrung from it steel production, electrification of the countryside, health and dignity, and happiness rising up, up, up. But, on the other hand, Bukharin, dead. Zinoviev, dead. Kamunev, dead. Mayakovsky, dead. Menzhinsky, dead. Sokolnikov, dead. Mikhayen, Rikov, Ryutin, Tomsky, Miranov, dead, 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 dead. I will point out that all of those people either died of natural causes or were executed after a fair and public trial. Okay. Then what is the topic? No. Not a topic. Convince me. Your side or theirs. Should I support Stalin or Trotsky? Very well. Okay, I like this. Ben, you'll go first. I went first last time. Comrade Daniel, you have clearly been listening intently to our arguments and those of our enemies, the Trotskyites. You have laid out the arguments in a crude summary, not inaccurate, for these are our claims. We claim that Stalin is mankind's only hope against an enemy of unparalleled strength, unbridled power, and unimaginable brutality. An enemy who makes Napoleon look like a whimpering mouse. An enemy who has taken note of the grievances of a depressed and defeated people and channeled them into a fanatical campaign against the weakest and most vulnerable among them. The perennial scapegoat, the always available devil, the last resort of the scoundrel and the capitalist, the Jew. Us, in a word. And he has taken that ancient prejudice and melded it with an equally fervent hatred of the communist, of us. And so too, we who are both communist and Jew, the threat of Hitler's advance must be met with absolute force, absolute devotion. But then, at our hour of greatest crisis, we are confronted with the petty and counter-revolutionary objections of the Trotskyites, who parade a list of a dozen names, who present them without context, without argument. A list of names as if those dozen or so names could outweigh all the Jews of Europe. And we could go through each name and discuss the evidence against them, how Trotsky accepted the aid of the British and Americans, how Bukharin plotted the assassination of Stalin, Lenin, and Gorky. And Abraham Lincoln, too. We could present evidence we have. And yet the Trotskyites persist in denouncing the one possible savior of the Jew and of the world working class. We can no longer tolerate factionalism within the communist movement. The choice is no longer between Stalin and Trotsky. The choice is between Stalin and Hitler. Either with us or against us, there is no other way.
I'm glad to hear you've come around to our position. Your position? Yes. I'm old enough to remember when the official CP line was that Hitler didn't pose any threat at all. The real threat was from the Social Democrats. They killed Rosa Luxemburg. They slaughtered Karl Liebknecht like a dog in the street. My God. If I hear the name of Rosen Luxemburg one more time, I'm going to scream. Yes, they killed Rosa. Dear, sweet Rosa. But how many communists had the brown shirts killed by 1932? And by the way, Trotsky predicted Hitler's rise as early as 1920. But no, you got there. Let's not get bogged down in the past. You eventually came to agree with Trotsky, and you should be commended for that. Slander, revisionism, counter-revolutionary, left deviationism. These are just the facts, comrades. In 1932, Trotsky warned that Hitler had a real base in the German middle class. He argued, drawing out Marx's argument in the 18th Brumaire, that the bourgeoisie would rather see Hitler win than the Communist Party. Trotsky was right. At the same time, Stalin encouraged Hitler's rise. Let him into office. He's a buffoon anyway. Then after he loses re-election, it'll be our turn. To which Trotsky said, obviously there won't be an election after Hitler. What stupidity? What ignorance? How could Stalin think such a thing? I'll tell you how. Because Stalin is less afraid of Hitler than he is of his own working class. Hitlerism, apologism. Please, keep your jism to yourself. Stalin knew then what he knows now. He has lost the support of the Russian people. He knows that a successful revolution in Germany would spark a second Russian revolution, this time against the Soviet bureaucracy itself. And, and, God damn, this is good. That's why the show trials make no sense. They're not meant to. Oh, fuck me. This is good stuff. The show trials aren't meant to alert the populace to the threat of imperialism or Trotskyism or fascism. They're meant to signal to the working class that immense force might be used against them at any moment. Stalin has at his beck and call all the writers of the writers' union. Surely Bulgakov or Gorky could write a confession more believable than the dribble he had Sokolinov spout, a Nazi agent? He's been a Bolshevik since 1905. So now the Trotskyite shows his true colors. He criticizes the only judiciary in the world that enacts the will of the people, heaps slander upon good Bolshevik judges and lawyers, and passes in silence over the sham trials of Hitler. Or for that matter, of the United States. Everyone knows that there is no justice for the Negro in this country, that they are arrested on mere suspicion and tried without counsel by juries not of their peers, but of their enemies. Everyone knows that the judge on the bench is the same man who, under cover of a white sheet, burns crosses and throws dynamite through the windows of Negro shopkeepers. What's that got to do with anything? More than one thing can be bad. It shows that your true aim is not to fight for justice, but to smear the stainless reputation of Comrade Stalin. You steal the vocabulary of the communist movement, but your true politics are liberal, even reactionary, even fascist. Aren't you in a united front? Not with them. So now I'm a fascist. Me and Trotsky alone with his books in Mexico. Not Stalin, who drags dissidents from their beds in the middle of the night. Not Stalin, whose enemies all seem to jump off buildings right after they're denounced in Pravda. Not Stalin, who pastes pictures of his massive square head on every wall in Moscow. You can't possibly equate Stalin and Hitler. Why not? You just equated Trotsky and Hitler. Who can play at that game? 
This is why we say the Trotskyites are servants of Hitler, by intentionally blurring the distinction between Stalin, a great communist hero, and Hitler, lackey of the bourgeoisie. You are aiding Hitler's war effort. Here, right now, you mean just talking about Stalin makes Hitler stronger? We're in worse shape than I thought. Even Trotsky admits the Soviet Union has the right to defend itself against fascist aggression. And so do I. Defend yourself if you must, but don't expect me to look away from your crimes. There will come a day when you must choose. Sooner than you think. Socialism or barbarism. Stalin or Hitler. With us or against us. Do you have anything else? Do you have a second argument? No. Because it is this simple. If Trotsky were in power, our duty would be to support Trotsky. But he is not. Stalin is. And we must ask ourselves, why? And the answer is simple. Because Trotsky is weak and Stalin is strong. When Trotsky was reading the latest works in natural science, Stalin was robbing banks to fund the Bolshevik party. While Trotsky was writing brilliant predictions for the future of Europe, Stalin was maneuvering his way to the top of the party hierarchy. And so when Lenin fell ill, Trotsky had no allies and Stalin took power. And that is why Trotsky commands his few thousand disciples in the so-called Fourth International, while Stalin has at his command the 170 million citizens of the Soviet Union and its millions of adherents around the globe. Have we made mistakes in the past? Yes. Will we make them in the future? I don't doubt it. But the hour is late for the Jews of Europe. One man stands between them and utter annihilation. Stalin, protector of the Jew, champion of the working class. Brute, perhaps. Commoner, yes. As common as the simplest worker, the carpenter and baker and tradesman who will save the world. Stalin is no smarter than you or I, but he is Stalin. And that is enough. Boo. <laughs> this isn't even fun anymore. Here I come at you with all my new theories. I'm making stuff up on the spot that is grade A, great Marxist analysis, and you give me the fucking party line. That was not the party line. Daniel, it is time for you to choose. With us, or with them. I... I... Oh, fuck. Shit. Fuck. Shit. Fuck. 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 Fuck! You! I choose you! Very well. Welcome to the Communist Party, comrade. Come on, jeez, look at him! I know. I know what they are, but they're right. No more theory. Time to take our heads out of the clouds. Time for action. It's war. And if we don't beat them over there, we'll have to do it here. I'm sorry, Lev. I choose them. Suddenly, Paul enters, running, holding the New York Times. He's a CP member. Comrades? Comrades? I bring news of great tragedy. You're late. You missed it. This is bigger than... Oh, fuck, I'm gonna be sick. Paul vomits into one of the trash cans. Lev takes the paper from where Paul dropped it on the table. Germany and Russia sign 10-year non-aggression pact. Holy fucking shit. Bind each other not to aid opponents in war acts. Fuck. Is this real? Give me that. This is... No, it's... It's capitalist propaganda. It's a myth. A lie. 
then it's the New York Times. <laughs> Which is a capitalist rag. You believe this shit? Let me, let me. The signing of the Russo-German non-aggression pact took place in Moscow early this morning, half a day after German Foreign Minister von Ribbentrop had arrived in the Russian capital. The pact, which runs for 10 years, in addition to prohibiting attack by either part against the other, forbids either to join any associations of powers aimed at the other. Who can believe this, huh? This is utter... It is impossible. No. Look. Browder defended it. Browder? Yes, Browder. Earl fucking Browder. General Secretary of the Communist Party of America. This is policy. This is... Paul vomits <laughs> again into the trash can. I'm gonna be... Ben vomits into the trash can. <laughs> you know what this means, right? Poland's doomed. They'll carve it up like a Thanksgiving turkey. An entire nation abandoned by the world. It'll sink into oblivion like a stone tossed into the sea. Three million Polish Jews. Three million. This is terrible. This is unbelievable. But also... He jumps onto the table. We win, you fuckers! He begins to kick sandwiches at the grief-stricken communists. He picks them up and throws them at them while they cower, barely noticing. I fucking knew it. I fucking knew it! You lose! Stalin's a traitor. Stalin's a shill, a fucking putz, a gangster, a fascist. Fuck him, fuck you, fuck all of you. Trotsky wins again. Trotsky forever. That's Marxism for you. That's dialectics for you. The communists begin to exit, in a daze, their world destroyed. Stalin's our only hope. You can't criticize Stalin. I'll criticize whoever the fuck I want, because I'm right. Because I'm armed with the truth, because Marxism cuts through your bullshit like a fucking Gatlin gun. Finally, now we can see the scales have dropped from our eyes. The working class will no longer be misled by shysters and thugs. The revolution is coming, rising over the horizon like a red rubber ball. Tis a final conflict. Let each stand in his place. The fourth international shall be the human race. Daniel watches him, stunned. Lev picks sandwiches and pieces of sandwiches off the ground and throws them off stage at the communists. He's laughing with cruel glee. He stops, looks at Daniel. Daniel is horror-stricken. Daniel. Look. Daniel runs away in the other direction. Lev runs after him. A beat. Lewis enters with a mop. He bends over slowly and takes some of the mutilated sandwich parts over to the trash can. He throws them in and is suddenly overpowered by the smell of vomit. He sighs and starts mopping up the mess. <sighs> Fucking kids. Lights fade. 